Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to Exponential Every Day. It's your host, Tracy Canbys. And today we have a special interview with my friend, Megan. But we're going to take a little bit of a journey, learn about Megan's startup and what it really means to put ideas into action. Megan's got an amazing story, and I know that you're going to enjoy listening. I hope that you will listen to wherever you get your podcast. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and don't hesitate to drop us a line or leave us a rating and review. Those things really do help me improve the content and the interviews and what I bring to the table for you as listeners to expand the audience that I'm trying to reach, which is all of you and people like you. And with that, I just want to say thanks and enjoy the show. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to Exponential Every Day. I am so excited this week to have Megan Nafer on. And Megan and I just got to meet through a network of people that I reached out to. And I've been super excited to get to spend some more time with her. She was our first meeting. Megan was able to give me some great insights about the startup space. And um, I thought it would be amazing to have her on, have her tell her story of her startup. So Megan, welcome to Exponential Every Day. Why don't you get started and tell us a little about yourself and your background? Yes, thank you so much for having me. So my name is Megan Newfer, and I am the founder of Maven. A um, little bit about me, I um, am a mom of two little ones. I have a daughter, Charlotte, who's four, and we just had a baby this past November. So um, we're dealing with the infant stage again. Um, So if anyone has a baby out there, I know what you're going through. Uh, I was born in the Midwest and I currently still live um, in the Midwest in the Chicagoland area with my family. My background has been financial services until the pandemic hit and I I started a side hustle, which I'll get into a little bit more, which um, has become Maven. I just wanted to do something that was impactful and and create change. So a little bit of backstory um, to me and uh, I'll I'll dive in more. Um, I know you have a lot of questions. Yeah. How um, are you getting any sleep these days? Is the sleep improving as the baby's sleep improves? Um, it's getting a little bit better. Uh, the first couple months, I feel like no one can ever, um, tell you, or you can ever experience anything like those sleepless nights, but sitting at four months, um, the wake-ups are getting a little bit less and the sleeping is getting a little bit longer. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's all. I feel like that was the pivotal point for me. And I still remember it. Mine was 18 years. My oldest is 18. So it was hard then and I can still remember those hard days so I feel for you tell us a little bit more kind of what really drove you during that time to really start to think about that pivot that you were taking in your in your career and and with your little side hustle thing that you started yeah uh absolutely so um I've spent my entire career in financial services I I studied accounting got my CPA so um During the pandemic, I was actually working for a big global bank and we were on the asset management side. So all of our investors were institutional investors. So uh, think foundations and pension funds. Um, So that's what I was doing um, full time. But when the pandemic hit, it wasn't just the pandemic. It was George Floyd. It was AAPI hate crimes. Our political system just seemed in turmoil. And every time I turned on the news, I used to love watching Good Morning America as I got ready. And every day it was just like 
bad headline after like hateful headline after um, just things that one, I think were systemic in nature and things that could have probably um, been avoided. Um, and I, I hope as, as we, as um, a nation like grow, we, we progress, but I feel like we constantly were regressing. So all of those headlines served as my call to action of, I can sit here and I can talk about how horrible these things are and how we should do better, or I can actually do something. And um, my do something stemmed from, you know, what, what can we do in the world in our capitalist society that can actually help businesses that can help the governance of these. And so what I really tried to do was take what we were doing in financial services with that blueprint of allocating our um, client, our institutional client's money into purposeful investments. And so I just kind of had that what if moment of, you know, what if we gave consumers the same blueprint of here, here's a way that you can invest your money or spend your money that aligns with your values, whether you are super passionate about the environment and want to make sure that you're buying compostable things or environmentally friendly things, um, or you just want to support a female founder. I, I didn't think there was a way um, currently that you could do that just by, you know, simple filters and uh, sorting data. So that's what my vision was of, okay, let's give consumers a way to essentially vote with their dollar. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I love that you took that more value-based approach for individuals and applied it to a very commercial space. Right. And, um, I think people do want to spend more meaningful time thinking about where their money goes and what they spend it on and how that money is supportive or not supportive of what their true values are. Um, because I do feel like there's been this sense of by consumers, companies have over the last few years that had issues, you know, ethical issues or financial issues have, you know, lost trust with their brand to the consumer. And so now there's this big theme, I think, happening in the commercial space, um, particularly with big organizations about how do they maintain trust and there's even companies now that um, when I was with the media company that are doing like these whole audits and assessments of, you know, the trust indicator or the trust score, like how does your, how does your organization like rank on us in with their consumer, with your customers from a trust factor. And that's like being a big part of the value equation. So I think you building a network of brands that you can bring that already have been vetted vetted products that you're bringing in companies that are, you're saying like, look, we've looked into this and we believe, and I use them myself <laughs> and I'm putting them out there for the general consumption. That whole pandemic timeframe was something that was really interesting to bring that to life. What do you think is going to happen in this space as you've been watching it grow and you've been investing and ideating in your, and what products you're bringing and how you're building your platform to do that? What, where do you think it's going to go? Well, I do think that if people have a convenient way of buying things, um, you're a mom, I'm a mom, and I feel like uh, our time is very precious. So um, if you do want to support a certain value, whether, again, it's female founded, made in the USA, vegan, 
I do think that the current system, um, it, it's hard to navigate. You know, uh, if you go onto Google, which most people would do, um, the system is controlled by AdWords and historic search. So I think it's very frustrating of like, I just want to support X or I just want to support Y. Um, so one, I think if if I can put forth a convenient way, so think like Amazon on steroids with filters and data, um, people flock to Amazon because it's easy. They know that they can easily find what they're looking for. So I think convenience is a huge thing. So if you build that into your product, I think people will certainly come. Um, but more broadly, um, it's a little bit disheartening, I think, to me lately that ESG has received a lot of backlash. If you if you look in the news and media, and, and I've actually talked to some big companies where they've told their employees, don't even talk about this in the theme of ESG um, and, and greenwashing, too. I think people do want to make themselves always maybe look a little bit better. Um, and it goes back to like, well, are you being transparent with your brand? So um, one, I go back to just values, um, whether you're saying ESG or values, I think um, people need to be true to themselves. And, you know, if you want to support a certain um, attribute, like I said, female founder made in the USA, I just want to give people the ability to do that. I don't want to say one's better than the other. Um, but in the terms of where is this going? So when you think about ESG, I think a lot of it can be chalked up to it is um, more qualitative than quantitative. Um, and I think that, you know, our society does like to benchmark things and give things a number. So you can say, well, is this better than this? Um, so what, what I haven't done, but where I think it's going, and I, I will want to follow that trend is I think things will be assigned um, a number and things will be more quantitative. Uh, certified B corporations um, are doing this right now where they go through an audit. So if a company wants to be a certified B corporation, they go through an audit and um, the, the authority behind certified B corporation looks at their environmental, social, and governance footprint and assigns them a score. So if you go in, you can see like what Ben and Jerry's score is. You can see what um, I, I believe all birds, um, there's a lot of them. So I think that's a way that people are going to shop by, by scoring. And, and my hypothesis is certified B corporations, as people get to know them more and more, they will become more relevant because just like you go through a financial statement audit with a big accounting firm, um, that gives them credibility to their investors and stakeholders. I think certified B corporations, if you get their, um, go through their audit and get their seal of approval, I think for the stakeholders of consumer um, companies um, and uh, consumer packaged good companies, CPG, I think that will give people a little bit more um, uh, faith in that, uh, you know, third party. You just look at yeah. other places of um, or other arenas of where is this being done and it works. So yeah. that's, that's my, I feel like, outlook of this is going to become more quantitative and, and people are going to want those sustainability audits like you were mentioning before. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a trust audit or when, you know, you have to get certified to be like organic, right? And exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Those certifications are going to be, it, it's what provides weight behind a label. And so you can't just say you're one thing or this is a value that you carry and, and it has to ring true. You have to have the, you know, the valid approval and certification for it. Absolutely. And I think that will help with greenwashing and give credibility yeah. more to the brands. Um, yeah. And, you know, brands only have so much real estate on their packaging that a lot of these brands <laughs> do. Like some of those labels are really tiny. <laughs> <laughs> 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So I really want Maven to be a platform where companies can um, be able to show all the good they're doing, whether that's, you know, giving back to their communities or just the good ingredients that they're putting in um, their product. Because again, as a, as mothers, um, we're super conscious on what we're putting on our babies. The last thing we want to see them is like break out in red spots or have an allergic reaction. So um, I really want them to be able to promote that on Maven um, as opposed to other places where on the website, they have to, I feel like, you know, not overwhelm the consumer and on their packaging, they have such small real estate. So Maven is that platform where companies can truly show all the good that they're doing, whether that be inside the bottle and packaging or, or outside in their communities. Yeah, that's awesome. So what do you think has been the easiest and the hardest steps in this journey that you've taken with Maven? I mean, given that I, I told you a little bit about where I'm at in my journey and I'm very early days and you're much further along. So <laughs> I, I'm always interested to hear what's been the easiest and the hardest part of the whole thing. Um, well, I can for, for sure say the hardest part was starting this. Um, like I mentioned um, before, it was started during the pandemic. I was working a full-time job. I had a toddler at that time. And I think a lot of us, um, you know, suffer from imposter syndrome. When, when I was even thinking about the notion of starting a company, I was like, wait, am I really going to do this? Like, is this like all in my head? Like, is this really a good um, business to put out in the world? So I had a lot of hesitation about, can I do this? But then I just reassured myself that, you know, one of the good things that did come from the pandemic is instead of commuting to downtown Chicago and, you know, taking public transit was, which was pretty much an hour there, an hour back, like I gained two hours back of my life every single day. Mm -hmm. So um, when I tried to reassure myself, um, you know, I can do this, I'll just spend, you know, a couple hours here and there. Um, it was taking that first leap. And I still remember registering my domain on GoDaddy and starting the website. Um, and I just had so much, I feel like trepidation of like doing it. And what if it fails? Um, studies say that women don't take a lot of risks because they are so afraid of failure. So that was very, very relevant in my case. So the hardest part was, you know, pulling the trigger and starting. Um, but after doing that, I feel like um, to your point of like, what was the easiest thing? Um, once I officially said, yes, I'm going to take the leap. Then I think everything else was just incremental, which made it so easy um, in the sense of like, okay, today I'm going to open a business account. It's like, I've opened a business account. This, this is easy. Okay. Today I'm going to apply for a business credit card. I've done that. Like it's easy. And so I think it's that mental mind game, which is the hardest part. And then once you start doing that, every like incremental step, and you, if you make it like, if you think about it, like baby steps of like, today, I'm going to just do one small thing to move my business along. Um, that's easy when you break it into pieces. It's just thinking of like the long haul of like, I'm going to create a business and like launch it and become successful in your head. I think it does mind gymnastics being like, wait, that's too much. That's so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, so the easy part was, okay, it's done. I registered as an LLC and now all of these small steps to bring it forward, um, in my head, then that was easy. Yeah. 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 Those, those early day steps were kind of those milestone marker, little milestone markers of, okay, I can, yeah, I can do this. I can move. And then you just keep moving along and doing the little things. Right. I totally agree with you. It's, um, it does feel like it's a lot at first. It's like, this big thing, this big uh, leap you're taking. Um, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I can map this out. I can break it down into small pieces and bite size. 
bite-sized yeah. chunks to go after. And <laughs> um, some are not going to be, but not all of them are going to work out, right? Like my uh, my partner and I, we we actually had a couple of times where we were engaging with different people that we thought were going to join us on a journey and that didn't always work. So, you know, it's okay. You just have to like, you know, continue to work through it. And, you know, you're going to continue to like go to the next thing and continue to develop it. So I think those are, that's very sage learning that you've taken from your experience. What, um, what makes, what makes the work that you're doing stand out? Like we talked a little bit about what you, where you see the market going. How do you think Maven really stands out in the work that you specifically do with Maven right now in your organization and in the market? Yeah, I think that there are so many amazing businesses out there. I was just actually looking at an article um, in 2020 and 2021, uh, 49% of businesses launched were of women. And I do think that they are very overlooked because um, when you get into a lot of these VC firms and you go about you go about um, raising money, um, sadly, um, the data shows that most of these VC firms are, are led by like one certain demographic and um, there's just a disconnect of like what women need and, and who's supplying the money. So um, to that point, I think there are a lot of amazing overlooked businesses and small businesses. And, and for me doing this, um, I, I really want to shine like a light on those businesses. And I don't want um, companies marketing budget and how big they are to dictate search results. Because if you think about it, if like you're looking for a certain product, whether that be shampoo or shoes, um, when you go to Google, it is dominated by AdWords and historic search results. So in my head, I'm like, how do we disrupt that um, that way of shopping? How do we disrupt finding things? So if you think about it, like a Google search algorithm, like I said, of, you know, what usually dictates it is money, AdWords, historic search results. What about if we kind of flip that, um, upside its head and say, okay, let's have the algorithm, um, look at how much company a good is, how much good a company is doing socially, environmentally, and how about the more good they do, those companies rise to the top. Um, and I think that notion of um, recalibrating the system and having the most relevant things to your needs. And I, I get it. Everyone's different. You might have eczema or you might eat kosher and, and you might need different search results. But um, if we could tailor that algorithm to match your needs and also show the best companies for you, I think that's the way that the consumer wants it. Um, and, you know, it's some of those companies, I don't want to like um, say anything bad about them. The big um, conglomerates that produce a lot of the household goods, but I just want to give smaller companies a fighting chance. And a lot of these smaller companies are le um, led by moms like you and me who have been through it and can really um, put forth a product that works and have credibility because they've, they've been through those sleepless nights that we were talking about at the beginning. Um, so I really want to disrupt the market um, and stand out and show that my quote unquote algorithm, even though there's not a ton of science behind it, um, is really what consumers want and need. Um, and it will become more convenient because it will be tailored to exactly what, um, like I said, they need and want to support. Yeah. Well, and with the introduction of all types of new technology, given what's going on with GPT-4 and OpenAI, and you know that, I think they're really it's really putting a challenge on what's what search really is, and how you know the partnership that Microsoft has with OpenAI now, and what it's doing to 
how Bing search it use is used as a search engine, what you can do with it, what Google's releasing with Bard and what that's going to do from search. So I think what there's um there's going to be another, I think, angle to that new technology to your point. And it's going to, I think these angles like you're talking about are going to continuously evolve that model um, with more consumer pressure on, I, I'm, I'm searching differently now because there's this thing that's giving me more counsel that's specific to how I search and, and um, it can give me feedback um, more from a broader set of insights um, versus just a paid view of what I search for, my keywords and how your, this brand pays to, you know, get hit, get a hit based on how I type into search. So um, I think there's a whole generational change going, coming. If it's, if it's already in motion, I think there's going to be more change and it's going to be very different to see how businesses begin to engage with search differently and how um, consumers think about putting pressure on these big companies to, to give them more results that's more specific to their wants and needs and values. Absolutely. And my hope is that, um, yes, I want to disrupt how search currently is, but use uh, use the current AI um, applications that are coming to market and, and use that to supplement or complement search. Because I yeah. think those are such a game changer that if you don't use them and leverage them, I feel like you're already going to be far behind. So constantly in my mind, I'm thinking about how can we integrate this into Maven or, you know, how can it help propel it forward? Because um, again, you know, they're not 100% accurate. And I've even asked um, uh, the chat GTP3 about some value-based um, items. And some items, it, it comes back great. But I think sometimes too, you really need to vet and be like, wait, is this female founded that it's it's um, it's giving me back? And, and again, to have um, that institutional credibility of this is what Maven does. This is its whole brand. Um, it looks at public information, it aggregates that, and it puts it in a way that is easily digestible, you know, for the consumer. But again, um, if there can be a component of AI, um, I think that is the future. So um, it would be so not to consider that part of yeah. the business model. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I'm excited to hear and see what goes on and how that continues to evolve. So when you think about, I mean, you have such a passion for Maven, what truly drives that passion day in and day out for you? I think the biggest thing is looking at what's in front of me and, and that's my kids. So I go back to Charlotte, who's four and Mason, who's four months. And I think about the world around them and, and, you know, when they're my age and they want to start a business and is it going to be the same way if Charlotte wants to become an entrepreneur, which would be amazing. Is she going to have such a hard time receiving VC money? Because the dial hasn't shifted in the past, I feel like, decade or two. Uh, women only receive 2% of VC money. Um, and for minorities and people of color, it's it's even less. Um, are, are they going to wake up to another George Floyd incident or hate crimes or this political turmoil? Um, yesterday, we just heard about another heartbreaking um, shooting with the gun. Oh, yeah. is, mm. is this still going to happen? And I think as a parent bringing kids into the world, you want them to have better. And if our society keeps 
I don't even say progressing. I want to say regressing. It's, it's just heartbreaking what they're going to have to deal with. And I think we can do better. And we are great about talking about this. Um, you know, it's on the news every single day. But what I challenge people is, okay, it's heartbreaking. We've talked about it. So what are we going to do to change it? And I think people get so frustrated because um, they say, you know, well, I vote, I, I vote and I, I want this to happen, but it doesn't. And I think, you know what, that's not working. So let's do a different angle. And for me, power, um, power is often dictated by money. And I think about what do consumers have? They have money. And even though, you know, for you and me, when we go out and make a purchase, it might be like, $5 here, $20 or $30. And, and people don't think they're really making an impact. But if we as a consumer base can band together and say, okay, we want to allocate our money and be intentional with where we're putting it. And we want to do that with companies that are women-owned or women-led. And I mean, I think if there were women who were managing these really big conglomerate companies and they looked at where their money was going and political contributions, I would guess that a lot of them would not be giving it to people, you know, who who didn't support gun um, reform. So that's my thought of, okay, let's disrupt the system. Let's disrupt where the power is. And if we can give consumers the ability to start to be really intentional with where they put their money, so they're investing in products that don't have chemicals that are bad for their kids, that sends really powerful market signals. Um, and so I want to empower them. Um, being the consumers to, to start shifting their money. And I hope that back to your question that when my four-year-old and four-month-old, um, you know, 20, 30 years from now, I hope they can look back and say, oh my God, like things have changed. Or for me personally, even if it's just moving the dial a little bit, like if I can say, you know, what I'm doing is helping the world just progress a teeny bit more. That's what fuels my passion because the way that it's going right now, things aren't being done to change and it's just getting worse, which, which really saddens me. So that's my passion for Maven and, and why I do it day in and day out. Even when I have all of these uh, feelings of, you know, why am I doing this? Is this ever going to come to fruition? I keep telling myself I'm doing this to make the world a better place as cheesy as that is, but um, I'm going to try. And if I fail trying at least, at least I did something. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, God, you're right in all of the things that you just said about how tragic it is, where the state of where we are, I think culturally and politically um, and the divisions that we have on these issues. And it does, it just takes one person like yourself making, you know, small incremental changes that can have bigger, you know, systemic impacts, I think. The products and the things that you do on your platform can truly start to change minds and hearts. And, and I think doing it in a way that is disruptive to the to the status quo is super important. And I um yeah, I that's that was one of the reasons I wanted to start even this podcast was to, you know, <laughs> be able to for people to come on and talk about like what is the one little little thing that you're doing that is like has a potential or is making an exponential impact to, you know, multiple lives, to people around you, to the economy, to the commercial landscape or to e-commerce or, or to the community. Um, and so I think, you know, that passion that you have and how you're executing it and putting your values to work is, is truly amazing. Um, you know, you talked about a little earlier, 
like where you see the industry going and um, how there's been a lot of backlash related to greenwashing. I think there's backlash to companies that are also doing things around these highly sensitive political issues like we just talked about with um, gun regulation and even mental health issues that we are trying to push, um, you know, more awareness of and have products that are supportive of, you know, organizations and people and um, having access to mental health and wellness um, products and, and solutions. Um, but as you look at where that industry is going, and that, like you talked about, like you've had all of these experiences and bringing Maven to life, what would you change or do differently now that you you kind of see where you are today and you know where the industry is going and you kind of see what where it's at? Is there anything that you would change or do differently? For me personally, you know, I haven't been the most efficient with my time. I'll be the first to say that because I'll go down rabbit holes of researching things or how to learn TikTok or things like that. Um, looking back though, it, I feel like it all, all of those experiences, whether it be like some of the inefficiencies or um, how maybe I should have invested more money here, those were all lessons that I learned. And I'm a strong believer of the best way to learn something is doing it hands-on. And so wearing all those hats of, okay, I need to go do like business development. I need to do marketing. I need to do content creation. Um, you're doing every single job in your company. And I also think that makes you a better leader. So you can be empathetic when someone's going through tech difficulties or trying to come up with creative content. Um, so what I will say is I have no regrets starting it. Um, I really dove into every single piece of this business. And I think that's the best way to learn something. Um, you know, if you start a business and you outsource everything, I, I don't feel like you're truly understanding some of the pain points or being connected to your consumer. So um, I think it was a ton of learning, um, a, a ton of like boot camp that I got to kind of do my own little MBA. Um, so I, I would say, you know, when you do start a business, um, dive into all those specific areas. And once you can learn something really well, um, then maybe outsource that, but then you have a better appreciation for what goes into it um, or some of the feedback that you're receiving. So um, I, I don't regret anything. I, I don't think I would have changed anything, even though sometimes it was so painful <laughs> going through <laughs> like the website's down or some issue that I just didn't have that expertise, but I think you come out of that a better leader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's several quotes about like, it's when you the going through the the fire and coming out the other side, you've, uh, you've been, you either have been hardened like a piece of ceramic does when it goes through the kiln, right? Like you just have to get through it. <laughs> and on the other side, you have this beautiful vessel. <laughs> um, that uh, you'll continuously work on and utilize in, in a new skill or a new muscle that you've developed um, because of it. So that's amazing that, um, you know, that resiliency is something you build over time. Uh, what piece of advice would you leave for anyone who wants to start their own brand or business or has that idea of just making a bigger impact, doing something different or disrupting the status quo? 
So I think it's really simple. The piece of advice that I give is just start now. Um, as I reflect back about some of the most challenging things that I've done in my life, whether that's take the CPA exam or sign up for the marathon to cross it off my bucket list. I think there were so many times I thought about it of like, oh, it will be great once I can pass the CPA exam or once I finish, you know, can finish, um, you know, running something I've, I've never ran that much. And I think we, we keep thinking about like the what ifs and should I do this? And, and finally, it's just like, just sign up for it or just do it. And um, I think that's the hardest part. And it goes back to our earlier conversation of once you just commit all those pieces, you just break it down into incremental small pieces. And it's, it's so much easier to um, digest the idea of doing this like big daunting thing, like running a marathon of like, oh my God, one day I'm going to have to wake up and run this many miles. But you don't go from zero to 26 miles. You go from like three miles or four miles. So I always like to use that running analogy of when you take really big leaps, you don't have to go from zero to 100 one day to the next. Um, you train for it. Um, um, you you take it in stride, literally and figuratively. So I will say, just just start now and and um, taking those steps to start a business. Like again, it's no different. It's it's stop thinking about the what ifs. You spend so many times or so much time speak, thinking about like, well, what if I did this or what if that went wrong? Um, just stop daydreaming about it and take the plunge. And I think whether you succeed or fail, you'll walk away having no regrets. Cause we, like we said, you learned so much. Um, and I think you truly become a better person. Yeah. That's so well said. Megan, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Again, it's always refreshing to spend time with you. I love your enthusiasm, your commitment, your passion. Um, I think our listeners are going to hear all sorts of inspirational things and pieces of advice from you. And um, I hope everyone goes out and, and tries and gets on Maven to find their products that uh, really do align with their value. We'll have included in our show notes, we'll have the link to your to Maven and um, a little bit more about, about what Maven is and how it, and all the things that we've talked about today. So um, I just want to say thanks for spending time with me. It's been awesome to have you on. Oh, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you, Trace. Well, good luck with the baby. I hope he can, <laughs> he continues to get better at sleeping. Tra sleep training is one of the hardest things. So I, I, I can totally appreciate where you at. I feel like I'm having to retrain myself sometimes <laughs> in sleep training. So <laughs> for my, for me personally, cause I, you know, as we get older, our sleep continues to change. So, uh, I can appreciate where you're at. All and, right. Uh, Thank you to all the listeners who support um, and, and go to Maven. Thanks for listening to Exponential Every Day. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you could leave a rating or review, I would really appreciate it. Ratings and reviews really mean a lot to podcasters, and it just helps us make sure we're giving you the content that you want and that you like. So with that, I hope you have a great rest of your week and take care.